Welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-end fund information and education, brought to you by the Closed-End Fund Association and available on our website at www.ceva.com. My name is Diane Merritt. Today we are joined again by Tom Brosine, Head of Research Services with Refinitive Lipper and author of the Fund Market Insight Report, which provides in-depth monthly commentary on the closed-end fund market. We're happy to have you with us today, Tom. Good to be with you, Diane. Thanks for having me. Tom, you recently published your report for February 2021, which covers over 600 closed-end and interval funds. How did investment markets generally perform in February, and what was the impact on closed-end funds? Well, investors actually had three things that they focused on in February. First of all was the improvement in vaccine rollout that was important to the economy and it was important to investors and, of course, important to the world as a whole. But they also focused on President Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package, and it is getting nearer to being completed recently. Uh, It just passed the House, and it's going to be uh, put forward to the Senate, and so people were keeping a close eye on that. And, of course, with that idea, this improving vaccine, people being able to travel more and the like, we saw an issue of reinflation. A lot of people are talking about inflation, but really, I think a lot of people are, it's true that interest rates are so low. Talking about inflation at this point is a little bit crazy, but reinflation, I think, is the term people are using. So we had a great start to the month of February. The NASDAQ and the Russell 2000 and S&P 500 Dow all hit new highs. It was just a party that just kept on rolling. But then we had reality set in, and that is When we start opening up, things may become inflationary in nature. And so what we saw was the 10-year Treasury yield actually jumped to numbers that we haven't seen for quite some time, at least 9, 10 months. We saw that it rose to 1.54% on February 25th. It actually closed the month out at 1.44%. That raised a lot of attention because we were just hovering around 1% last month. And, of course, you get an additional 44 basis points on That's a big deal. But this was also kind of the rough ending, a rough landing uh, was exacerbated by near-month crude oil prices rising 14.46% for the month and at 59.75. And, again, that's kind of that inflationary thing. So we're looking at two things. The impact that higher borrowing rates will have on corporations and also this heightening in the yield curve or steepening the yield curve causing maybe investors on the equity side jumping ship and going back to bond funds. So we still had very positive returns. We saw that the Russell 2000 returned about 6.14%, and then uh, the darling that's been for many months, the NASDAQ, still remained in positive territory, up 0.93%. And how that panned out to the closed-end fund universe, we look at equities as a whole. They had a 2.43% return. It's fourth month in a row. They've had plus-side performance. And that was on a NAV basis. On a market basis, they're up a whopping 4.85% for the month. But on the fixed income side, this kind of inflationary concern caused investors to, if you will, bid down some of the paper out there. Fixed income funds overall lost about 0.52%, not a lot, but it's the first month in 11 that they've seen negative returns. And on market basis, we were at about 0%. might have been a little bit negative. I'd have to go out like four decimal places to find out that it was slightly negative, but about 0%. So that's how it panned out for the closed-end fund universe so far. Your data breaks out closed-end funds into over 20 classifications. What classifications were the best performing for the month and which sectors struggled? Well, as I've done in the past, let me just give you a kind of quick summary of kind of macro groups. This is rolling them up into, you know, kind of groupings that make sense. So on the equity side, we had domestic equity funds. Second month in a row did very well, 2.75%. In fact, if we take a look at all equity funds overall, 82% of all 
closed-end fund equity funds were on the plus side. World equity funds returned about 2.25%, and then mixed asset funds returned about 1.54%. But if we take a look on the fixed income side, we only had about 47% of all closed-end funds actually put up plus side performance first month and four that we've actually seen negative returns in this group. But at the top of the group, we saw fixed income domestic taxable funds actually stay on the plus side, 0.76%. Again, this is the first month and four that they've stayed at the top of the group. Prior to that, we had some rotation going on, we've talked about in the past. But world bond funds suffered a little downside performance, losing about 0.45% on that basis. And then muni bond funds actually took it on the chin, 2.22% decline. This is the first month and four that they've suffered negative returns. Now, if we break that down into what you were asking, though, on the equity side, we saw that for the second month in a row, Energy Master Limited Partnerships actually arose 6.91% against the second month in a row. Makes sense. I told you that we had this big rise in oil futures. Natural Resources Funds also did very well, up at 6.89%. And at the bottom of the barrel, we saw some of the dividend payers. You know, this is kind of the area where people might jump shift a little bit, maybe move back to bonds suffered the only negative performance in the equity universe, down 1.94%. And if we take a look at the fixed income side, for the first month in seven, we saw high-yield leverage funds rise to the top, returned about 1.02%. Loan participation funds, those funds that actually take account of floating rates and uh, rising interest rates benefit from that, up 0.94%. But at the bottom, we saw California municipal debt funds take the biggest black eye, down about 2.71% for the month. Is this a change from what you saw in January? It is. While we saw energy and financials actually do well in the past, they were the top performers. We've talked about rotation. That certainly continued on in February, so energy and financials did very well. And the dividend pairs, as I just mentioned, actually took a little bit of a beating. They weren't shunned, really, but again, uh, you know, they didn't lose a ton of money. But this is where the kind of interest-sensitive issues struggled a bit as investors became more focused on what bond funds could do if the interest rates continue to go up. But the real change that we saw was in the fixed income space. In the past, uh, investors were kind of playing it safe, you know, you know staying in govies, staying in munis, uh, kind of doing safe haven plays like triple B, investment grade debt bond funds and the like. But this is where we saw the, kind of the biggest losses. As I told you, uh, muni bond funds suffered biggest losses uh, that they've seen in four months. But I didn't kind of indicate all nine municipal bond fund classifications were in the negative. So this was kind of a big change uh, from what we saw last month. So do you expect these trends to continue into March? I do. Earnings season is at an end. So right now, uh, people are going to pay attention to COVID financial aid coming out, focus more on economic data, certainly pay attention to interest rates and prices. We're going to keep a close eye on oil and gas and the like. So I think this is something that people are going to be paying a lot more attention to. And they're going to be looking for reasons to prop up the market. So, uh, you know, at the last part of the month, we saw a little bit of negativity enter the market. We saw a little more volatility come in. And I think we're going to continue on with that for a little while as we uh, kind of look for a stabilization point. And again, certainly until we can start getting new corporate earnings back out as well. So again, it'll be very economically sensitive. The way closed-end funds trade in relation to their net asset value is an important consideration for many investors. Did you see any specific trends in premium discount behavior for February? We did. We saw a really stark narrowing of discounts on February 26th. 
Uh, you know, obviously we saw it on a daily and weekly basis, but we're looking at kind of that, that closing value uh, between the NAV and the market price. If we take a look at all closed in funds, they saw a narrowing of about 169 basis points to 5.60 as far as the discount goes. So that's a pretty big move. Uh, equity funds, if we take a look at it as a whole and not breaking it down into domestic or any other types, 202 basis points down to 8.11%. And we saw fixed income closed in funds actually see a narrowing of about 119 basis points to 4.94%. So these are all fairly big changes that we saw. How do current premiums and discounts compare to their historical averages? So if we take a look at last February, and that would be 13 months back, as we all know, right? February 28th, 2020 to February 26th, that was the last trading day uh, in 2021, we saw that there was about 90 closing funds trading at a premium this year versus a year ago, only 61. So that was a pretty big change. But if we take a look at it, basically we saw that the, uh, you know, all closed-in funds, as I've talked about, I give it to you know, all in an equity and fixed income, they narrowed quite significantly, but really they only dropped about 8.08% uh, a year ago. And so we saw a discount, and now we have a 5.6% discount. So really we're seeing quite a change. So in that 13-month time period, this is some of the biggest discounts that we've seen in quite some time. Breaking that out into equity and fixed income, equity was at 8.11% recently versus 7.72 in February of 2020. So we're still a little bit higher in that area, but where we saw the big change was in fixed income. Fixed income discounts have narrowed considerably, 4.94%, I, I told you about a little bit earlier, versus 8.38 a year ago, 13 months ago, actually, uh, on this. And this is, again, one of the largest discount average, actually, it's median, uh, for that group that we've seen in quite some time. And which sector saw the greatest change? As I mentioned, equity funds saw a 202 basis point decline or narrowing in their discounts, and so or improvement, I should say, in their discounts. But if we're taking kind of look at a rather broad brace group and go to some of the narrower groups, single-state munis actually saw the biggest narrowing, 186 basis points at 6.13% on February 26th. Tom, equity markets have had a pretty good start to the year, but some investors are raising concerns about inflation. Are there sectors among closed-end funds where investors may find particular opportunities, given where those funds are trading relative to their historical averages? There are, and obviously many people keep an eye on, for instance, natural resources and energy MLP funds and the like, but keep in mind, we've had several months in a row that they've done spectacularly well. Looking at world equity funds, and I think a lot of people are are changing their focus now from kind of the U.S. model, you know, looking at the Amazons and Googles and the Alphabet, you know, whatever, looking at kind of those stay-at-home tech stocks. Now they're saying, listen, a lot of the world didn't participate in this recent rally, at least not as well as the U.S. So world equity funds are still trading uh, in the double-digit area. So uh, when we take a look at their discounts, they're still at minus 10.80. And they actually dropped about 157 basis points uh, in February as well. So they've seen an improvement in their uh, their discount. But uh, if we take a look at it, it's still trading below the discount from last year, significantly below. So so I don't want to put too much emphasis on it. About a year ago, when we took a look at this, is between 15 and 18 percent discount. Now we're at 10 in the world equity uh, arena. But again, it's something that people are keeping an eye on. And when we take a look at returns and we look at year-to-date returns, I think that's kind of the kind of the story that we're taking a look at. Developed market funds did not participate in much of this rally, as we've seen in some of the top performers. Year-to-date, they're only up 0.27 percent. And emerging markets 
are only up about 1.91%. So I think there could be some opportunity there. But again, uh, you know, if we start having inflationary concerns and if the central banks start shutting off this easy money, uh, we could have some problems there as well. So people have to take that very cautiously. But if we take a look at the fixed income side, I think we see some also some opportunities in, our, in the uh, emerging market debt funds, local currency group. Basically, they're down 2.79% year to date. It's only a two-month time period. But again, I, I see possible opportunities in those spaces. Tom, you also follow interval funds, which typically offer limited quarterly liquidity to investors. How have interval funds generally performed in the first two months of 2021? Well, they, uh, they've they actually had kind of a mixed review. If we take a look at the domestic equity side, uh, we see that the average interval fund had about a 2.42% return. If we take a look at the conventional closed-end fund on the domestic side again, we saw about 4.69% return. So really a better overall grouping in the, in the traditional or conventional closed-end funds group. But again, this is a little bit different when you take a look at the number of funds that are out there. I'm doing a little bit of apples to oranges comparison. For instance, natural resources funds don't have any interval funds out there. So they were missing out on that huge rally I was talking about. In fact, natural resources funds were up about 10.61% for that year-to-date time period I was talking about. But if we take a look then at real estate funds, they did underperform a little bit, 1.77 versus the conventional closed-end fund, 2.70 about. But flip side, if we take a look at the sector equity funds grouping, which has a lot of the financials and like in there, they outperformed 3.71% versus 1.55% for the conventional closed-end funds. And then one last comparison as well, where we saw a little bit of a difference is we look at general bond groups. Basically, we saw that general bond groups, and this is where interval funds have one of their biggest showings, about 44 interval funds compared to 25 conventional closed-end funds. They outpaced about 199.6, so let's call it 2% return versus a 1.23% return for the conventional group. So it's been a bit mixed bag, but again, if you're selective, you look at it, you dig deep, uh, you can find some pretty strong performance in the interval fund categories as well. Are there particular asset classes or investment strategies you believe make sense for an investor to consider in an interval fund structure? There are, and again, we've talked about this in the past, and I I want people to really understand that there is a illiquid side to this, and this is why they have the benefit of sometimes going into private placements, whether it be on the equity side or the bond fund side. And in order to reach that, you and I cannot get out of these funds on a regular basis. In fact, most only have a quarterly refunding. And during that quarterly redemption period that you can get in, they usually set it at a limit of 5 or 10%. So when you want to get out, you may not be able to get out. But that said, if you are in a long buy and hold position and you are looking for yield or you're looking for opportunities to be in some different private placements on the equity side or bond fund side, this is where I think the long-term investor could actually gain some benefit, again, if they have that long focus. But again, the caveat emptor is the major issue is that you may not get out in the time frame that you want to get out. So you have to take that with a large amount of concern if you're looking for liquidity. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Diane, thanks for having me. And we want to thank you for tuning in to another CEF Insights podcast. For more educational content, please visit our website at www.cefa.com.